ஜீவ அருணாச்சல ஜீவ அருணாச்சல கிரியுருவாகிய கிருபை கடலே கிருபை கூந்தருவாய் அருணாச்சலா கிரியுருவாகிய கிருபை கடலே கிருபை கூந்தருவாய் Namaskaram. That was Sadhu Om singing verse 17 of uh, Akshara, Akshara Manamalai, which is the verse I'm going to be talking about today. Um, on the surface, this verse is a very simple verse, but it actually has very deep meaning. What Bhagavan says in this verse is, Giri Yuru Vahiye Kirupe Kadale Kripe Kun Daruluvai Arunachala. Uh, that means Arunachala, ocean of grace, which is the form of a hill, being abundantly gracious, may you bestow grace. And if we slightly uh, expand the meaning, that it what it implies is Arunachala, who shine in the heart as the infinite ocean of grace or compassion, which is what is seen outside as the form of this great hill, being abundantly or intensely gracious or compassionate, may you bestow grace upon me in whatever way you wish, knowing it to be what is best for me. Um, so to explain the, the word, the verse, or the first part of a verse, uh, word by word, uh, giri is a Sanskrit word that means hill or mountain. Uru means form, and ah here is an adjectival or relative participle, which means which is. So giri yuru vahie, or if you split it, giru, giri uru ah here, means which is the form of a hill. Uh, kirupe is a Tamil form of the Sanskrit word kripa, which means grace, compassion, kindness, tenderness, solicitude, or benevolence. And kadale is a vocative or eighth case form of uh, of cuddle, which means uh, sea or ocean. So kirupe kadale is an address to Arunachala as ocean of grace or compassion. Therefore, giri yuruvahie kirupe kadale is an address to him as ocean of grace, which is the form of a hill. And by addressing him thus, Bhagavan implies that though uh, in the gross outward-looking view of the mind, Arunachara appears in the physical form of a mountain of solid rock, he is actually an ocean of tender and compassionate grace, as can be seen only by an extremely subtle inward-looking awareness. Describing Arunachara as ocean which is the form of a hill, is what is known in Tamil as Virod Alankaram. It, that's actually a word of Sanskrit origin. Um, uh, Viroda means uh, um, what is uh, uh, um, a, what is an enemy or something opposing or contradictory, and uh, Alankaram means uh, an adornment. It also means a uh, a literary adornment or a figure of speech. So, Virodalankaram uh, literally means a conflicting, contradictory, or antithetical adornment. And it's, it's a term that is used to describe an incongruous figure of speech, or what would be called a mixed metaphor in English. Though mixed metaphors often occur unintentionally and with awkward effect, Bhagavan deliberately used this mixed metaphor uh, here to convey a very deep and subtle meaning. The nature of a mountain and the nature of an ocean are contrary in so many respects. A mountain is made of rock, which is solid and hard, whereas an ocean is made of water, which is fluid and soft. A mountain is unmoving, achala, unwavering, actionless and steady, whereas an ocean is constantly in motion, wavering, active and unsteady. Um, 
A mountain is silent and orderly, whereas an ocean tends to be noisy and chaotic. Why then did Bhagavan use these seemingly contradictory metaphors to describe Arunachala and his grace? Arunachala and his grace are one, because grace is his very nature, as Bhagavan implies here by describing him as Kirupe Kadal, uh, the ocean of grace. So whatever may be said of Arunachala may equally well be said of his grace and vice versa. Though he is actually beyond all qualities, from the perspective of ourself as ego, he combines within himself certain qualities similar to a mountain and certain qualities similar to an ocean, even in cases where their qualities are seemingly quite opposite. He can be said to be both solid and fluid, hard and soft, unmoving in his real nature yet constantly moved by his love and compassion for all, actionless, yet constantly active in bestowing his grace, eternally silent, yet through his silence proclaiming the truth louder and more clearly than it could ever be conveyed in words. How can he combine within himself such contradictory qualities? Let us take, for example, his arrow sail, the doing or action of his grace. Though it is described as a doing, sail, uh, because it has a subtle yet tremendous effect on us, whether or to what extent we are aware of it or not, it is what Bhagavan would call doing without doing, because grace is the very nature of Arunachala, so the action of his grace, Aral sail, happens by his merely being as he always actually is, without his ever doing anything. As Bhagavan says in the 15th paragraph of Nana, it all happens isan sanidana visesha matratal, by just or nothing more than the special nature of the presence of God. The presence of God means his being. So by his merely being as he is, he is doing everything. So without doing anything, he is doing everything, is the implication. Uh, in this context, the primary idea behind the metaphorical use of the word ocean is to convey the sense of vastness and pervasiveness. But whereas the vastness and pervasiveness of a physical ocean is limited, being contained within boundaries, the vastness and pervasiveness of Kirupe Kadal, the ocean of grace, is unbounded and therefore infinite as Bhagavan indicates explicitly in verse uh, 7 of Sri Arunacha Ashtakam, which he concludes by saying, uh, Idea Mandru uh, uh, Aham Achala Achalama uh, uh, Nadum, Nadumidum Arunach, Arunamalai Enum Ele Arum Arul Oli Kadale. Uh, that means, only the boundless ocean of the light of grace called Aranamalai, who dances motionlessly in the court of the heart. Uh, in the context of that verse, what this implies is that when we keenly investigate ourselves, the source from which we rose as ego, the thought called I, and when the dream of multiplicity thereby ceases to exist, what will then exist and shine is only the boundless or infinite ocean of the light of grace called Arunamalai. Arunamalai means Arana hill. Malai is a Tamil word meaning hill. Uh, uh, who eternally dances motionlessly as I am only I in the court of the heart. Um, so there, there Bhagavan says, he uses the word uh, he, to describe that ocean of the light of grace, he uses the adjective uh, or the adjectival, uh, the relative clause, uh, which means um, boundless or what is boundless, which is boundless, or boundless means infinite. So the, the, whereas a physical ocean is, has, is, uh, has boundaries, has limits, the ocean of grace is without limits. It's the infinite whole. It's the very nature of Aaron, actually, the very nature of God. 
The metaphor ocean also implies something of tremendous power, a power that is potentially extremely destructive in its effect. Just as an ocean can kill and wreak havoc when its power is unleashed by a storm or a tsunami, when the full power of Arunamalai Enum Elearum Arololi Kadal, the boundless ocean of the light of grace called Arunamalai, is unleashed, it will eradicate ego and thereby render everything else completely and eternally non-existent. As Bhagavan implies by addressing Arunachala in verse 27 of Aksharamlai as Sakalam and Virangum Kadiroli Inam, that means the sun of bright light, uh, that implies the light of grace, which is pure awareness, that swallows everything. So he's the sun of bright light that swallows everything. And he describes him in a similar way in the first verse of um of uh Arunacha Pancharatnam. Viri Kadi Ral Yabum Virungum Arunagiri Paramatma Vey. That means uh Paramatma Arunagiri. So Arunagiri that means Arunagiri is Paramatma, who swallow everything by your spreading rays. Your, by spreading rays, there implies the spreading rays of pure awareness. So, he, they, they, like like an ocean can swallow everything within itself. If, they, if they, uh, the full power of an ocean is unleashed by a storm or by a um, by a, a whirlpool or any any such phenomenon, it can the ocean can swallow everything like that. Uh, Arunachala is such a such a powerful ocean of grace, but by his grace, he will swallow ego and all of ego's progeny. In other words, this whole vast world of phenomena, everything will be swallowed. And what then remains uh, shiny in the heart is, uh, um, as Bhagavan beautifully describes in verse 7 of Arunachala Ashtakam, Idea uh, Mandru, that means in the court of the heart. Court means like a king's court. In the court of the heart, aham means aham here means inside. Inside the court of the heart, achilama. Um, achilama means motionlessly and can also mean as a hill. Um, uh, it has two, two meanings. Nadamidum, dancing. Um, so how is he dancing motionlessly in the court of the heart? He's always dancing as I am I. Arunamalai, Aruna hill. Enum, which is called, that is the ocean of Ele Arum Arololi Kadale. That means the uh, the um, the boundless ocean of the light of grace. Kadale means only that. So only that will remain shining when he swallows everything. So such is the nature of the grace of our of Arunachala. It destroys everything in order to restore us to our natural state of infinite happiness, of infinite being, infinite awareness, and infinite happiness, and infinite love. That's its real nature, and that's our real nature. So to restore us to that, it will destroy everything else. Um, so by, by using these um, these metaphors, Bhagavan is revealing it to us so much about the nature of grace. If we think deeply about the, what these metaphors imply, we can understand the, the real nature, what, what Bhagavan is teaching us about the real nature of grace. A physical ocean consists of water, and though water can seem soft and gentle to touch, it is extremely powerful. Even when its full power is not unleashed, given time, even a, a seemingly gentle flow or dripping of water can gradually erode and shape even the hardest of rocks. And the, waters, the water of the ocean can gradually corrode iron, reducing it to a powder of dust. Likewise is the power of grace. Even when its full power is, is not yet unleashed, Given time, it will gradually but unfailingly erode and shape the rock-like edifice of ego and its vasanas. Vasanas means volitional inclinations, but they are the seeds that sprout as likes, dislikes, desires, attachments, fears, and so on. Reducing their density, 
and thereby making way for the light of clarity to shine forth from within to illumine the mind with clear viveka, discernment, discrimination, or the ability to distinguish what is real from what is unreal, enabling us to recognize with steadily increasing clarity the unsatisfactory nature of whatever semblance of happiness we may have hitherto been seeking to obtain from vishayas, objects or phenomena of any kind whatsoever. Thus, grace gradually erodes all the iron-like defenses that we as ego have built around ourselves in the dark form of a dense fog of vishaya vasanas, inclinations to seek happiness in vishayas, thereby making us increasingly willing to surrender ourselves entirely by turning our entire attention back within to face ourselves alone. Only when grace had thereby made us sufficiently willing to surrender ourselves completely will its full power be unleashed, rising from within as the infinite clarity of pure awareness, thereby swallowing us for, forever within itself. Just as grace is comparable in these respects to the waters of an ocean, in other respects it is comparable to a mighty mountain. Like a mountain, it is hard, firm, and unrelenting, sometimes se seeming to be harsh and unmerciful in its treatment of us, giving us the fruits of our past karmas in such a way that will be most conducive to our spiritual development, as if it did not care about all the suffering that we must inevitably undergo in experiencing those fruit until we are willing to surrender ourselves entirely to it. Like a mountain, it is also steady and unmoving, existing and shining forever in our heart as our own immutable being, I am, unaffected by the turmoil of the mind that seemingly surrounds it, just as a mountain is not affected by a storm that rages around it. Most importantly of all, like a mountain, it is eternally silent, just being as it is without ever doing anything. Though, it's, uh, though it is steadily transforming us, working hard within us to rectify all our vasanas, and for that purpose, making us experience the most appropriate fruits for our past karmas, it does all this without ever actually doing anything, but just by the power of its mere being, which is itself infinite love. Therefore, though grace seems to do so much, its real nature is infinite silence, the silence of pure being, and it will reveal its silent nature to us only to the extent to which, by its silent power, we turn within and thereby surrender ourselves to it. As Bhagavan says in verse 27 of Upadesha Tanipakal, this is a very small verse, it's, um, it's just a one-line verse, but it's very, very deep in meaning. What he says in that verse is, Monam ul erum orumori arul nileye. That means silence is the very nature of grace, the one language that rises within. What, and what it implies is, Silence is the very nature or actual state of grace, the one single, uh, non-dual, unique, unequaled, and incomparable language that rises within, eternally surging forth as the clear light of pure awareness, I am, waiting to swallow the mind as soon as it turns back within. So by saying this, Bhagavan implies that the infinite silence of pure being which is the very nature of both Aranachala and his grace, is the one and only real language, because it is our real nature, and therefore it alone has the power to reveal our real nature to us by drawing our attention back within, thereby making us know and be what we always actually are. That is, since our real nature, Atmasarupa, is beyond the reach of thought, or word, meaning that it cannot be grasped by the mind or expressed in words, as Bhagavan implies in the first Mangalam verse of Uludunapadu, where he says, Ullaporul, Ullalala, Ullul Ara, 
uh, that means since the existing substance exists in the heart without thought, it cannot be reached by thought or words. In other words, it cannot be reached by anything other than itself. And since it is the silence of pure being, it can reveal itself only in and through that silence. That's why in that first Mangalam verse, Bhagavan says how to meditate upon it, only to be as it is in the heart alone is meditating on it. So we can know it only by being it. And it can reveal itself to us only in that silence of pure being in which ego has subsided and remains in its true nature as pure being. In other words, it can reveal itself to us only by drawing us back within and thereby absor absorbing us back into its real state of pure silent being. Thoughts and words are the very antithesis of the silence of being, which is our real nature, because they can occur only in the state in which we have risen as ego, thereby seemingly forsaking our natural state of pure being. So it is only in the infinite silence in which all thoughts and words have ceased to exist, along with their root, namely ego, the first of all thoughts, that our real nature will shine forth as it is, as Bhagavan implies in verse 31 of Aksharamlai. What he says in that verse is, uh, That means, Arunachala, um, but the literal meaning is Arunachala, the ocean of joy to surge forth, speech and mind to subside, just settle down there, which implies uh, Arunachala, so that the ocean of joy, your real nature, surges forth within me, and so that speech and mind thereby subside or cease completely, just uh, uh, silently, calmly, leisurely, motionlessly, or without activity. That's what summa implies. Summa porandidu. That means uh, settle down or be seated, be majestically enthroned or be united with me. Uh, implying uh, be united with me in the, as the silence of pure being. Angu. Angu means there, implying in my heart. Therefore, as Bhagavan says, monum ul erum orumori arul nileye. Silence is the very nature of grace, the one language that rises within. This is why Arunachala, the infinite ocean of grace, Kirupe Kadal, though all pervading and, and ever present, graciously shines in this physical world as the silent form of this great hill in order to attract our outward-looking mind towards it, like a magnet attracting iron, there, and thereby to silently and stealthily turn us back within to see its real nature shining in our heart as our own being, I am. That is, Arunachala is Mona Swarupa. Uh, the one whose very nature is silence. So it is to reveal his real nature of silence through silence that he stands as a hill on earth. As Bhagavan explains in verse 2 of Sri Arunacha Ashtakam, what Bhagavan says in this verse is, Kandava Nevanenek Karutirul Nada, Kandava Nindrida Nindradu Kandain, Kandana Nindrida Karutera Ville, Kandilan uh, Indrida Karuteru Marain Vindida uh, Vindidu Vilakidu uh, Viraluru Vona uh, Vindile Panduni Vilakine uh, Endral Vindida Dunile Vilakida Vendre Vindala Machala Ma Vilangida uh, uh, Nindrai. What that means is um, Kandavan um, Evan Ena Karutidul Nada, when investigated within the mind to see who the seer is, Kandavan um, Indrida uh, Nindradu Kandain, I saw what remained when the seer became non existent. Uh, 
Kandanan Endrida Karutera Ville. The mind does not rise to say, I saw. Kandilan Endrida Karuterum Karuterumaru in. In what way could could it uh, could the mind rise to say I did not see? That is, since it doesn't rise to say I saw, how can it rise to say I didn't see? Um, um, uh, uh, vindu idu vilakidu virul uruvona uh, vindu ille pandu ni vilakine endral. What that means is, uh, who has the, who has, who is the one who has the power to elucidate this by speaking? Um, uh, when in ancient times you elucidated it without speaking, um, and then he concludes the verse by saying, "Bindidadu unnile vilakida vendre bintalam achalama vilang." That means only to elucidate your state without speaking, you stood shining as a sky earth hill. Uh, that's the literal meaning. What this implies is when the seer investigated within the mind to see who is the seer, I saw what remained when the seer thereby became non-existent. The mind does not rise to say I saw, so in what way could the mind rise to say, I did not see? Who is the one who has the power to elucidate this by speaking, when in ancient times even you, as Dakshinamurti, elucidated it without speaking, but only through your natural state of infinite silence? Only to elucidate your state of silent and motionless pure being, which is pure awareness, I am, without speaking, you stood shining as a hill, or shining motionlessly, extending from earth to sky, though actually beyond the limits of both. That's the implied meaning. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, so there Bhagavan is revealed, what is the, why does Aranacha stand here as a hill? When he is the infinite and all-pervading ocean of grace, why does he stand as a hill on earth? It is to reveal through his silent, be, silent presence his real state of pure silent being. If we are drawn to him, he will turn our mind back within and thereby we will know, know ourselves we will know our real being, which is itself our natural. He's ever dancing in our heart as I, as Bhagavan says. Um, so coming back to the, the, the verse, this verse of Akram, like this uh, verse 17, after addressing our natural as Giri Yuruahi, Giru Pei Kadale, um, uh, ocean of grace, which is the form of a hill, Bhagavan then prays, Kripe kun daruluvai, um, which means uh, being uh, abundantly or intensely gracious, may you bestow grace. Thereby implying that in accordance with his nature, the all-abundant ocean of grace, Aranacha should consume him in the fullness of his grace. That's the implication there. Um, as, as explained earlier, Kirupe is a Tamil form of a Sanskrit word kripa, which means grace. And kundu is an adverbial participle that means being abundant, excessive, or intense. So kirupe kundu is an adverbial clause that literally means grace being abundant, excessive, or intense. And that therefore implies being abundantly, excessively, or intensely gracious or compassionate. Aruluvai is a second-person singular future form of the verb arul or arulu, which means to be gracious, to give graciously, or to bestow grace. So aruluvai uh, literally means you will bestow grace or you will be gracious. But it is used here in the sense of the optative, aruluvayaha. So it is in this sense, if, so, so in this sense, it means may you bestow grace or may you be gracious. 
therefore this prayer, Kirupei Kundu Aruluvai, means being abundantly or intensely gracious, may you bestow your grace upon me. That's the implied meaning of this. When people pray to God, they generally pray to him to bestow his grace in a particular way, to fulfill a desire or to remove a difficulty. But praying to him in this way is foolish because he alone knows what is truly good for us and for all concerned. And we, often, and we, and we are often mistaken in believing that a certain thing is good for us or for those we care about. That is, how are we to judge what is truly good for us? He alone knows what is truly good for us. So us, us telling him, I need this, I need that, give me this, give me that, that is foolish. We, our only prayer should be, whatever you decide is good for me, you do that. Therefore, by praying to Arunachala in this verse to bestow his grace, without asking him to bestow it in any particular way, Bhagavan is by implication teaching us that whenever we pray, we should pray to him to bestow his grace in any way he wishes, knowing that what he wishes alone is what is ultimately good for us. As he implies in verse 2 of Sri Aranacha Patikam, when he sings, Ninishtam enishtam, your will, your ishtam, uh, ishtam means will, wish, desire, or liking. So your ishtam is my ishtam. Imbadaku, that is happiness for me. The implication of that is, um, that is, your will is my will. That means I have no will of my own. I surrender my will entirely to you. May your will alone be done. Um, so, as Bhagavan implies by praying this, true prayer is not asking God for this or that, but only surrendering our own will um, entirely, knowing that his will alone is what is truly good for us. If at all we're to pray for anything specific, it should only be for ever-increasing love for him. As he teaches us to pray in verse 7 of uh, Sri uh, Arunachala Navamanimalai, he concludes this verse by saying, Whatever be your thought or whatever be your wish, do that. Kanne, uh, Kanne means, literally means I, my I. I means the, the organ of sight. Uh, so well, that's a metaphor for. Uh, it's a metaphor both for that means both my most beloved. That is, somebody, if somebody is very beloved to you, they're more precious to you than your own eyes. So my eye is a way of addressing someone as being very, very most beloved, or even more beloved than one's own eyes. Like um, Lord Shiva was so beloved to uh, Saint Kanapa, but Kanapa was ready to pluck out his own eyes for Lord Shiva. So uh, that is the implication of uh, of that uh, addressing Arunachas Kanne, my um, I, my imply my I, my my most beloved. It also Kan is also a metaphor for awareness. So it also means my own awareness. But then the main prayer is Undran Karalineil Kardal Peruke Tarovaye. Undran Karalineil means for uh, for your pair of feet. It literally means in your pair of feet, but uh, in English we'd say for your pair of feet. Um, cardal, love. Peruke, uh, only a flood. Taruvaye, just give me only a flood of love for your pair of feet. Flood here implies an overflow, fullness, abundance, surge, or increasing intensity of love for your pair of feet. So in that, ver that verse 7 of uh, Aranacha Navimanimalai, I quoted it while discussing one of the earlier verses of Akshramalai. That's a verse of complete surrender. And the Bhagavan ends it with these words. Whatever be your thought, whatever be your wish, do that, do that. Kanne, my beloved. Undran karalineil kadal perukei tarubaye. Just give me only a flood of uh, love for your pair of feet. If at all we are to pray for anything specific, we should pray only for that love. Because that, but when he gives us love for himself, he is thereby saving us. Because only by the love, 
for him, but is given by him, can we, will we be willing to surrender ourselves? And only when we are willing to surrender ourselves will we, can we be restored to our own real nature, which is infinite happiness. So having love for him is the greatest of all blessings. And that is what he wants to give us. Um, so praying to him for that is, is not going against his will. It is, we can be one thing, we can be sure. He always wants to give us ever-increasing love for him. So we can never go wrong by praying for, for love for him. When Bhagavan prays in this verse, uh, Kripe Korn Darulovai, being abundantly gracious, may you bestow your grace upon me, he is by implication praying for love, because grace is the infinite love that Aranachala has for us as himself. That is, since Aranachala alone is what actually exists, he, he is what we actually are. So he does not know us as anything other than himself. And and hence he loves us as himself. Infinite love is therefore his very nature. So he and his love are one, as Bhagavan implies by describing him as Amburu, uh, the form of love. Amburu is a, a, a fusion of two words. Ambu, which means love. Uru means form. So Amburu means form of love. Bhagavan uses this term form of love in um, verse 101 of Akshramla, in which he uh, he prays to Aranachala, Ambu vilali pol, amburu vunilene, anbai kare taral Aranachala. That means, uh, like ice in water, melt me as love in you, the form of love. So there he's saying Aranachala is the form of love. That means Aranachala is love itself. And he also uses this same, same word. He begins verse 2 of Arunachala Patikam with the words, Amburu Varunachala, Arunachala, the form of love. So Bhagavan, very, in both these places, Bhagavan is very clearly indicating that Arunachala is love itself. That is, he and his love are not two different things. He is, his love is himself. He is, he is the love that he has for us. And hence, the infinite love that is himself is what we experience as his grace. Therefore, Aruluvai, may you bestow your grace upon you, upon me, or may you give me your grace, implies, may you graciously bestow your love on me. May you graciously give me the same love for you that you have for me. Or in other words, May you graciously enable me to love you as myself, just as you love me as yourself. So that is in, in the, though Bhagavan uses very simple words, if we think about them deeply, there's so much um, very deep implication in these words. So whenever Bhagavan prays for grace, he's praying for love. And that love is nothing other than Aranachala himself. So it's also praying for Aranachala. But how can we, how can Aranachala give himself to us? We have to be willing to give ourselves to him. By our giving ourselves to him, he gives us himself to us. That is, it is our rising as ego, but seemingly separates ourselves from uh, us from him because he is ever our real nature he's ever what we actually are but when we rise as ego we seem to separate ourselves from him so he's ever willing to give ourselves to give himself to us because he is our own self but in order for him to give himself to us we need to be willing to give ourselves to him. In other words, we need to be willing to surrender this ego because then only can we will our real nature shine forth. Only when we remove this false awareness of ourselves, as I am this little person called Michael or whoever, will can we know our real nature? What we actually are is only that infinite, pure awareness that is ever shining in our heart as I am. So as Bhagavan often said, our real identity is not I am this or I am that. It is only I am I. Uh, so that is what Arunachya can reveal that only when we give ourselves to him. And we can give ourselves to him only when he gives us all-consuming love for him. So that is what Bhagavan means when he prays for his love, for his grace. That is, his grace is his love. 
And that love alone is the means by which we can give ourselves to him, uh, thereby enabling him to give himself to us. So as Bhagavan said, grace is the beginning, the middle and the end. It's grace that brings us to this path. It's grace that removes all the obstacles on the way. And it is grace that will finally swallow us. And that grace is Arunachala himself. That grace is Bhagavan himself. Uh, since Arunachala is the uh, real nature of ourself, Atmasarupa, and since grace is his very nature, his grace is not anything other than ourself, but is ourself as we actually are. Therefore, when we pray to him to bestow his grace on us, we are actually praying to him to restore us to our own real nature, or in other words, to transform us from this unreal ego nature back into what we always actually are, namely himself. By rising as ego, we seemingly separate ourselves from our own real nature. So Arunachal and his grace seem to be other than ourself. And hence we pray to him to give us his grace, as if it was something that we are now lacking. However, since his grace is himself, and since he is the one infinite whole, we are actually always fully immersed in his grace, as his grace, and can never be separated from it. Nevertheless, in the limited and distorted view of ourself as ego, grace seems to be separate from us and therefore limited. So as ego, we can never experience it as the infinite whole that it actually is. In order to experience it as it actually is, therefore, we need to experience it not as something other than ourself, but as our, our own very self, our real nature. This is the significance and implication of the adverbial clause Kripe Kondu, being abundantly gracious, being excessively gracious, or being intensely gracious. His grace is always infinitely abundant and intense, but we fail to see it as such so long as we see it as other than ourselves. So Kripe Kondu, being abundantly gracious, implies that his grace should shine in our heart in such a way that we are able to recognize its infinitely abundant nature by seeing it as nothing other than our own being, I am. As Bhagavan often used to say, grace is the infinite and eternal light of pure awareness, which is always shining in us as I am, which is always shining as I am in the hearts of all sentient beings, jivas. Since it is the original light that illumines the mind, enabling the mind to know other things, and since all other things, including all of all time and space, exist and shine only in the light of the mind, which is a dim reflection of this original light of pure awareness, I am, it is infinite, eternal, and all-pervading. And hence Bhagavan describes it in this verse as Kirupe Kadal, the ocean of grace. Being all-pervading and therefore omnipresent, it shines equally, impartially, and without any distinctions in all times, in all places, and in all jivas, irrespective of their state of mind, whether it be low or high, impure or pure. Uh, and hence he describes it as kiyamel ingum kilaroli money, gem of light that shines above, below, and everywhere in the next verse, namely verse 18. What he sings in verse 18 is, means gem of light but shines literally means that shines below, above, and everywhere. En kirme parse means uh, uh, annihilate my lowness, my baseness. A parse means make it void, make it non-existent, so completely eradicate or annihilate my, my lowness, my baseness. So what Bhagavan implies in this verse is, Arunachala, gem of light, 
That is the infinitely precious light of pure awareness. Why does he call it a gem? Because it's infinitely precious. There's nothing more precious than this light of pure awareness, I am, which is Aranachala, but shines below, above, and everywhere. That is, but shines within me at all times and in all states, whether my mind is in a low state of impurity and immaturity or in an elevated state of purity and maturity. Um, so by uh, uh, Kier below, uh, male above, he's not literally, he's not just talking about below and above in, in terms of space. He's talking about in the low state of mind and in the high state of mind. Whatever be our state of mind, in all states of mind, Engum everywhere, at all times, in all places, he is ever shining in us because he is that light of pure awareness, I am, but he's ever shining within us. And that is the light of grace. So, uh, since you are that light, you must, it's for you to annihilate my baseness. Uh, the implication is by drawing my mind inward to see you as you actually are, annihilate my baseness. My baseness means the darkness of my self-ignorance, which is what rises as ego, the false awareness, I am this body. So it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. So we'll talk about it more next time. Um, so uh, <clears throat> just as an ocean will accept and absorb into itself all rivers and streams that flow into it, no matter how clean or dirty they may be, Aranachala, the infinite ocean of grace, will bestow his abundant grace on every jiva who approaches him seeking it and will thereby eventually absorb each of them into himself, no matter how pure or impure they may be. However, whereas the ocean will cleanse the river the water of the river by absorbing it into itself as itself, Arunachala will first cleanse us by his grace and thereby absorb us into himself as himself, because only when we are wholeheartedly willing to surrender ourselves entirely to him will he consume us, and will be wholeheartedly willing to surrender ourselves only when we have been cleansed to a considerable extent of the dirt of Vishaya Vasanas, which cloud our mind with a dense fog of desires and attachments, thereby making us unwilling to surrender ourselves. So the, the ocean will absorb the river and thereby purify it. Our nature will first purify us and then absorb us. So it's only when we are fully ripe, fully willing to surrender ourselves, but he will be willing to accept us. Um, because he he will swallow us. He will We will become food for him. So in order to offer ourselves as food for him, we need to be very pakva. Pakva means ripe, mature, or well-cooked. We can't give him an unripe fruit or uncooked food. It must be well-ripened, well-cooked. So we must be, by his grace, we must be well-cooked. Then only he will swallow us, take us as his, um, as his bali, as he says in verse 10 of, uh, of Arunachala Patikam. He will accept us as bali. He says he will, that inuir, that sweet soul, he will accept as bali. Bali means the sacrificial offering. But we must be sweet. And to be sweet, we must be fully ripened, fully well-cooked by his grace. Then only he will accept us and absorb us into himself. But if when we approach him, it doesn't matter how impure we may be, he will certainly purify us. Um, uh, um, uh, therefore, though Bhagavan does not specifically ask uh, for anything other than grace in this verse, by the way he has carefully worded this prayer, he implies so much about the nature of grace and hence about what he means by praying for grace. By addressing Arunachala's Giriyuruvahie Kirupe Kadale, ocean of grace which is the form of a hill, he implies that Arunachala is grace itself, the infinitely abundant fullness of grace. So in asking him to give him grace, he is implicitly asking him to give himself. However, since Arunachala is the one infinite whole, other than which nothing other than 
uh, other than which nothing can exist. He cannot be anything other than ourself. So he is our own real nature, the pure awareness that shines eternally in our heart as our own being. Therefore, since his grace is always shining within us as I am, what is it that he is to give us that we do not already have? Though his grace is what is always shining within us as our own being, I am, we have not yet allowed it to consume us because we persistently turn our attention away from our being towards the appearance of other things. So in order to make us willing to surrender ourselves entirely to it, it needs to shine within us in a special manner, thereby drawing our attention back within to see it with unwavering love like a magnet drawing a piece of iron towards itself. This shining within us in a special manner is what Bhagavan implies by praying Kripe Korn Darulu being abundantly or intensely gracious, may you bestow your grace uh, upon me. That is, though his grace is always shining clearly within us as our own fundamental awareness I am, it is nevertheless obscured by our rising as ego, the false awareness, I am this body. So though we are always clearly aware of our being as I am, our real identity as nothing other than this being, I am I, is seemingly obscured by the, by the false identity, I am this body. Therefore, in order to dispel this false identity, he needs to be abundantly gracious by drawing our attention back within to lovingly see him shining in our heart as our real identity, I am I. So this clear shining of himself in our heart as I am I is what Bhagavan implies by the adverbial clause, Kripe Kondu, being abundantly gracious. His clearly shining in our heart as our real identity, I am I, is what Bhagavan called Aham Spuripu or Aham Sparana, the clear shining of I. Though he is always clearly shining in our heart as I am I, we fail to see him as such so long as we continue looking away from ourselves towards other things. So in order to make us see him clearly shining in ourself as ourself, I am I, he needs to draw us back uh, to look deep and lovingly within ourselves. This is therefore what Bhagavan is implicitly praying for when he sings, Kripe Korn Daruluvai Arunachala. Arunachala, being abundantly or intensely gracious, may you bestow your grace upon me. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya. 